0: I am wonderful Okay, great <laughs> Thank you very much for joining me uh, I, I don't know how you want to be addressed I, I stay away from governments these days so um,
1: You can call me Shashi if you want
0: Shashi mm-hmm. Shashi Okay, I like that If you like that
1: Oh, do you need me to hook up my mic?
0: No, 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 you're good You're good, okay. you're in there you're in there now. I can hear you. Can. You can hear me, okay? I
1: can. I have mics. So I didn't know. I saw that you sent me a text that was like, no mic and like, a yeah. no well, mic.
0: Yeah, well, it was, it, you know, so from my view, it looks like you had video capabilities with no microphone, so. Oh,
1: yeah, No, nah, I have a mic.
0: Okay, all right.
1: All, mic, all day.
0: Awesome. Well, this is Sippin' Slow with Joe. Okay. On the phone is Sheshi. We'll just go with that right? I like it Sheshi's good um, Sheshi knows me a little different than anybody else I could get on this podcast And that's uh, one of the reasons for, for me wanting to bring you on
1: um, Can I cut?
0: What's that? Oh yeah, curse away Curse away no problem. Um, I encourage sippage. I don't know what you're drinking because this is my first podcast on the West Coast, so I just like to say, "Hey, LA." Uh,
1: we, we do have
0: we do have listeners in Germany currently, so
1: oh, that's very. Out cool. to,
0: yeah, yeah. Shout out to Germany. Um, but the West Coast, I've never had a guest on the West Coast, so hey, LA, you know.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> I've lived out here, um, gosh, for five years. For five years. Have
0: you been that long? Like, time just moves, man.
1: Yes. Very quickly, especially on quarantine.
0: Mm. Especially
1: in quarantine, these days have just blown mm. by. Um, how's, that,
0: how's that been going for you and Ben?
1: Oh, great. <laughs> you have to consider the quarantine lifestyle isn't that different than okay. what we normally would do. I think because historically I've worked in some form of entertainment Mm -hmm. or some form of something or other to that effect where other people go to have fun, so one of the things that I always end up doing is coming home for quiet time. It's funny to me how working in entertainment or working in music or working in the industry, which a lot of people do here in LA, can make you almost an introvert by default because you spend all of your time trying to make sure other people are having fun,
0: mm-hmm.
1: to the point where when you are out in the world at other people's events, you kind of can't have fun because you're like, "Where are the marked emergency exits?" Clearly, <laughs> this is a fire. Uh, I, this is a fire hazard. Like, I, I, I still am a musician. I still make music. Okay. And my and my um, manager and I. went to a label party Gosh Maybe a couple of months ago Before this whole thing popped off Uh And um, It was all these kids It was all Generation Z I'm telling you Nothing will make you feel older Than working in the industry Because people just idealize And worship youth And so much so that When you're out here And about You kind of just wonder Do you know that people can tell that you've had all the surgery. <laughs> I wonder if people are aware of how crazy they look sometimes. And so LA is, is like that being a person who's from the East coast, particularly right. County and then coming out here and having this experience is, is definitely wild. It's definitely.
0: Wild. I, I'm glad you prefaced Prince George's County. Cause I want to, I want to go back there. I want to take you back. Uh, I know, I know in the preliminary, you know, getting up to this point where where we're on the podcast together, you had expressed, you had, you had told, basically told me my memory was better than yours.
1: Oh yes, absolutely.
0: But I want to take everyone back to a, a Joji that they may not know. That's, that's the reason for the podcast in a sense, because uh, I realized that in 2020, Nobody has any idea that I had a history that I used to be 20 at all. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm playing against that and I'm being as honest as I can with my life. So I bring people on that can give uh, context and perspective. You know, those are my two favorite words in this podcast,
1: mm-hmm. context
0: and perspective, because those are two things that we were lacking when we were younger, of each other context around each other like those are things that uh, I hold as the reason why uh, we never grew it together in in a Mm -hmm. sense if 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 I'm being authentic like the reason why we didn't grow all together as one cohesive unit a bunch of talented individuals was Mm -hmm. a bunch of missed context missed perspective and you know, just being young as fuck for yeah, for lack true. of a better word
1: <laughs>
0: but but you but you know me from uh, an elementary school point, yes. and so one of the first memories I have of you is is first of all, I will be completely honest, I liked you in elementary school. I had a crush on you completely right oh, well. but but as an elementary schooler uh, how you how you uh, kind of do that as a male in my time period in in that, I guess, uh, late 80s, early 90s space is you make fun of who you have a crush on or you play with her or you like, you know. Mm-hmm. You can't just outwardly like somebody. That's not cool. Oh, you, so,
1: have, to have, a, you have to have a little pinch of asshole. Just to
0: <laughs> so, so in my exactly. thing, I was, I was an agitator for you. So I always agitated you. And my earliest memory of that is, I I'm not sure what class it was. Maybe it was a music class. I know.
1: Because we were in music all the time. But go ahead.
0: I know I was leaned back in the chair, right? Mm-hmm. And I must have said something douchebaggery. Uh, you know, and you just hauled off and used my momentum. You know, you kind of slapped me, and I hit the floor. Right?
1: Yep, that sounds like <laughs> me.
0: You didn't. You didn't have a temperament for for whatever I was I was dishing out.
1: It's definitely on brand. It's definitely on brand. For
0: me, and, and and going from that, I I don't know if it was Capital Christian Academy, did you, did you go to Capital Christian at all? Capital Christian. You went to Capital Christian? I did. Okay. So in this particular episode, uh, after the elementary school debacle, uh, we move forward to us being in the park. And I'm not sure if it's uh, Watkins Park or whatever, mm-hmm. but I remember like a group of people around and, you know, I can't admit that I, that, you know, again, I like you. But I called you a bitch. I do remember I said bitch, right, on purpose, right?
1: Right.
0: I, I don't remember your action after that. Uh, I, I prob- it was probably we got in a fight of some kind. But yeah. more importantly, I used bitch in a Capital Christian Academy where you couldn't even mention Daddy Mac, baby. You know, mm-hmm. like they had like rules about saying Daddy Mac
1: mm-hmm. when Crisscross was hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember that. For some reason, like, there is a criminalization of anything that we found even remotely enjoyable. <laughs> they were and like, the Oh bam. Wow. They'd be like, Aww. They'd be like you want to wear one of your what remember we used to wear the one strap on the overalls?
0: Ooh. Ooh. It brings
1: you that brings you a small kind of jewel. They're like, Mm-mm. these kids are happy. Bam.
0: And you know what, I remember my, my, one of my instructors, he used to take us to the pool. Um, mm-hmm. uh, his, his name was Mr. Bashore. And I remember him because he had a messed up pinky finger or a thumb, he had a small thumb. What? Yeah, it was weird. He had some thumb that would just roam around by itself because it was like a baby thumb. What? I don't, yeah, Mr. Bashore, I, I'll never forget him. He this was in left. What's that? He had a, he had a deformed pinky.
1: Yeah. Oh no. oh, no. I don't remember this. These things I don't remember. Yeah.
0: I, I tell you, the things that come to my mind at, at the time. Uh, but if I can fast forward our engagement, you know, because you ignored me uh, the entire time we went to junior high together. I remember you in junior high school. Um, Kettering element, Kettering middle. I'm sorry, uh, but see, I did you go to where, where? Where did you go to element? Where did you finish out at elementary school? Did you finish out at Kettering?
1: I went to Tulip Grove. Elementary. You went to
0: Tulip Grove with me.
1: See, Grove. yeah, we went to elementary school together. Right. Definitely. Okay,
0: the entire time. So, so did you? You didn't spend any time at Kettering Elementary at all. No. Okay. Okay, for me.
1: Sorry, <laughs> I'm glad you asked, because All right. All right. it's not legal, but we were bust during that time. Remember, we lived in a neighborhood where if you lived on the on an odd street, odd number street, you were bust out. If you lived on an even street, you went to the local, um, you went to the local school. So since our address ended in 03, we were bussed out. Mm. To uh, Tulip Grove um, in Bowie, which of course was a life-altering experience,
0: mm-hmm.
1: having mm-hmm. been um, a black person in an area that's by and large mostly black. Right. Um, and then being bused to a school with white kids that didn't want you there, and <laughs> then there were then there were black kids that didn't want you there either.
0: Right. Because
1: they yeah. were white <laughs> and here we are the suburban kids like shit what are we doing how did we end up all the way in Bowie when our neighborhood's up the street
0: Mm. Mm.
1: I don't think they do that anymore but it was racial quotas (laughs) that's what they called it they needed black kids in that area to balance out the quota
0: I, I agree because that that school was completely inside of a whole neighborhood like it was a Basically, a private school. And to this day, it has one of the highest uh, ratings in PG County. But mm-hmm. it's like in the recesses of the most white neighborhood in, in Bowie. And, and not there's not a lot way. of white neighborhoods in it's, Bowie. It's,
1: it's Let me just white. tell you. It's not white anymore.
0: Is it not white anymore? Not
1: really, because you have to think about it. Right at the time, and we're aging ourselves here. Right. I moved to Prince George's County in 1989. Mm-hmm in 89. I was eight years old. And right at that height, because you know, uh, people started moving to Prince George's County because of gentrification. We pushed out of D.C. And I mean, well, frankly, that was right in the middle of the crack boom. And so for us to be where we were, we were fairly insulated away from what was happening. But they ended up busing us to Bowie And then when we went to Bowie, that's a completely different experience. But that was right at the height of white flight, where they were like, oh, these Black people moving in here? We about to move out. So they moved from Bowie to Crofton, from Crofton to Gambrels.
0: (laughs) (laughs) True, true.
1: From Gambrels to Severna Park or uh, uh, Pasadena. And then from Pasadena slash Severna Park, to Glen Burnie and beyond. So Mm -hmm. that that movement of us moving into Lake Arbor, which they built, and I know they could not have expected this neighborhood with these homes, they're half a million dollar homes now, to be all black. Mm -hmm. And I remember writing a poem. (laughs) This is what happens. I remember writing a poem called Nicks of Lake Arbor nix of lake harbor is the name of this poem okay And i'm gonna read it to you
0: okay all right
1: <clears throat> how did a grinder delicatessen owned by racist whites come to exist in a to be open for business in a wealthy black neighborhood i can i never found that part out i can tell you how it closed i remember that part of the story very well indeed that's the poem.
0: So you never finished it? That's the problem. I, I, need, I need to know how Nick's clothes. So for, for people that don't know what Nick's she's referring to, Nick's, wasn't it like a grocery store it in was, that shopping center? It
1: was a delicatessen. Delicatessen? A
0: delicatessen. Okay. And so... Re- go ahead.
1: They made these sandwiches. And remember, they had like seafood in the back and it was right over there. They had candy and we would walk all the way from where we live. That had to be a mile. Now next across the street from where you were. So that wasn't a very long walk indeed.
0: No, not for me. No. Mm-mm.
1: We had to walk. We walked all the way over there to buy penny candy in the summer or in the summer. Remember we used to, uh, terrorize the ice cream lady, the lady who drove the ice cream truck. We would do all that stuff, but we walked to Nick's and we would go by ourselves, right? And the owners did not like all these black kids in their store. So they told us that we were not allowed to come into the store anymore without a parent.
0: Do you remember this? No, no, I don't remember this part.
1: Okay, so they told us that we were not allowed to go to the store without a parent, and so we, of course, did what you do. We went and told our parents, "Hey, we want to go get candy, but we can't because Nick said we're not allowed to go in there." You know, our parents went in there and wrecked shop.
0: Damn, no, and no, I,
1: they I... wrecked shop, and I mean, when I say wreck shop, I don't mean they tore it up, but I mean one of the things that we were very aware of very quickly in that area was our ability to vote with our wallet. And once it became apparent that we weren't wanted in that area, our parents were like, well, if our kids can't be here, neither will we. And they stopped going. And it was only a matter of time before they ended up eventually having to close it. I don't know what it is now. Is it like, what is even Nick's now?
0: Yeah, it's yeah, like, uh, yeah. I'm not. So, is it Levi's? Is is
1: yeah, Levi's. That's right.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. it's Levi's. It's like, what,
1: what is it, Levi's?
0: It. I. You know what? I don't know. I don't remember the space that it took up.
1: Mhm. Uh, it was slam. It was right in the middle. The
0: center. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. So they broke it up into a bunch of different stores.
0: Yeah. Because I know yeah. there's
1: like a dog groomer and a bunch of other stuff over there too.
0: Right. Right.
1: Well, maybe that's, they did that.
0: That's wild. For, for me, you know, and, and I'm with you on 1989 because 1989 is when they started developing those. And I, I feel like your family uh, took over one of the model homes of Lake Arbor, right? If I'm not mistaken.
1: No, it wasn't a model home. It
0: wasn't model, hmm, okay.
1: It was built, and I remember that because that was a very keen memory of my childhood. Right. you know, me and I have a brother, Kyle, Mm -hmm. who's Mm -hmm. three years younger than I am. And um, he and I were living with our parents in an apartment in Silver Spring. and like, a two-bedroom apartment. And I remember it had, like, orange shag carpet. I mean, it was the height of the 80s. And so my parents, who were – this is the story. So we were living in Montgomery County. And I went to God, I forget what the name of the school was. But one day I came home with a drawing where I had drawn myself with blonde hair and blue eyes. And my parents said, That's it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 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 We have to go someplace where there are black people. And so because there it was very multicultural in Silver Spring in the sense that there are a lot of white people, but some also Asian people and some black people. Um, But during that time, there wasn't a lot of diversity and therefore not a lot of representation either. So, sorry, that's Shadow,
0: my dog. No problem, no problem. Dogs are welcome.
1: Yes. So, um, you know, there was not a lot of representation And so it it was hard for me to find role models or people, I mean, outside of your parents and stuff that you could look at and say, hey, this is a person I wanna be like. And so I think they were rightfully concerned about whether or not I would have, what kind of experience I would have as a black child. And so that was during the time when they were like, well, okay, we're gonna move to Prince George's County. Which was interesting because, you know, for a while, when you first move, you know, you have school, you have friends, you know, you, you drew yourself as a white girl and you don't know what the problem is or why that's the problem. <laughs> 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 and, and now we got to move. And so <laughs> right. um, it was interesting because I remember having liked where we lived and then moving to Lake Arbor and having a hard time when I first got there, because people didn't really accept me at first, you know? And so having gone to and having lived in Montgomery County, I still have this non-regional accent slash non-regional dialect. And that was the eighties and nineties. That was the height of you talk white, you act white, you know, there people didn't have very much room for nuance. And so they couldn't, you know, to meet someone who's different, I think was hard. Right. A, for them. Mm. And so when I got there, my brother had a much different time than I did because right. he was from Prince George, I mean, he started his school experience in Prince George's County and so was able to I think start without having to make any transition I think he's just personality wise he's just more outgoing than I am and uh, just more you know I think just more outgoing he's more extroverted so it was easy for him Um, yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I you know, I, I know, I know you're being, uh, there, there, there's some playing there in that, and I wanna, I wanna go, go into that further. Uh, you know, uh, I'll, and I'll, and I'll use the surname, KM, mm-hmm. uh, was somebody who I resonate with because he's a Gemini, so he's always gonna be out, outward and, you know, loud and boisterous and vocal at- and kind of, and and kind of a character, you know what I mean? Like, oh,
1: yeah, he was a character. So right, right. Cool and fun and funny to be around.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And charming, and when you first meet him, I'm likable. Oh, I am considerably less likable Chip Fortitude.
0: So so here's where we get to perspective and okay, context, right? Mm-hmm. And in you know when we make the move from elementary school to middle school Mm -hmm. i think you're untouchable you know Uh, yes to me you you walked amongst the cool kids you know i kind of sat at my table which were the um I in in a 2020 space i'll say they were artists And you kind of sat at the the cool kids table, you know, and you, and you walked amongst the clouds with your chin held high, the untouchables of sorts, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you rubbed elbows with the elite, in my opinion.
1: Perspective is a motherfucker, it's right. a
0: motherfucker?
1: Because it was not, that experience was not the experience I had. I think it's easy when you see people from the outside to create sort of an idea of what you think it is when it is very different. I mean, you know, in middle school, I struggled just like everybody else. It's just like different reasons. And, you know, as a kid, like you're trying to fit in, you're trying to figure out where you land, you're going through these milestones with everyone else. And, you know, it's, it's difficult. What I'll tell you though is growing up now and being an adult now, and especially being in California now, I wouldn't trade it. Um, because I feel like we had a unique experience that unless you are in Prince George's County or Fiji County, you wouldn't have had. And what I mean is like validation, representation, you know, everyone is Black. So it's not something that you have to think about. And as a kid, it gives you an opportunity to just sort of go through all the regular, awkward, weird kid shit without having to worry about uh, racism. And so, you know, I wouldn't have traded it. It was it was a different experience than um, I think I would have had if I stayed in Montgomery County. And my parents were right. I think they made the right decision because say what you will about the county. There are a lot of people here from Prince George's County and when we go someplace else, we shine, we excel. You know, it's very interesting to hang out and work and be around people and to make their acquaintance and figure out that they're from Prince George's County see the difference <laughs> in them and, you know, other people who are in your field or whatever, who may be from someplace else. So like I said, I don't trade it at
0: all, but absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm, okay. I think high school and middle school and all of that stuff is just awkward as hell for kids and well shit happen.
0: And, and that's, and that's what I'm here to, here to talk about because for me, um, Middle school was especially hard, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I got first and second grade at Kettering Elementary, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: then my parents moved to like, we moved from, we used to live across the street from Largo High School. So we, we lived in, in Castleton. Castleton.
1: Okay, Park. I know where that is, yeah. townhouses
0: is over there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, uh, my dad, without a job <laughs> at the time, he got he actually quit uh, an architectural job after 22 years. Um, yeah, yeah, took a chance, didn't have a job, and for the first year and a half we were in Lake Arbor, didn't have a place and got and just you know found the government after that. Uh-huh. But, uh-huh. You know, but, um there were hard times in between that Mm -hmm. it was just so happened that this is the eighties. So you could get a single family house for 180 some thousand dollars. And, and, you know, if I'm being honest, that that's just what happened, like Mm -hmm. 180 grand and you had the, the American, the American dream in quotations. Right. So, uh, for me, I got uprooted from Kettering Elementary to Tulip Grove in mm-hmm. the third grade mm-hmm. and I spent third, fourth, and fifth, and sixth in Tulip Grove while mm-hmm. every one of my friends uh, that I made in that first and second grade space got mm-hmm. to grow up together. So, mm-hmm. so everybody that went to Kettering Middle came through Kettering Elementary.
1: And well, that's I funny did. because I didn't go to Kettering Elementary. I went Wild.
0: To- Right.
1: Tulip Grove, um, in eighty nine, so I was eight years old um, when I got there. I had done kindergarten, um, first grade, and second grade at mm. a school in Montgomery County, and then came to Tulip Grove um, after we moved.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. See? So so and and I partnered with people in seventh grade. That also did not go to Kettering Elementary. So that's where I found Big Sean. You know oh, yeah. he went to, Big Sean went to Rockledge Elementary.
1: Where is that? <laughs> <laughs> where on the where Rock, is Rockledge? Where?
0: Yo, I I'm wish a- I to this day I don't know. I just know that he didn't go to Kettering Elementary like everybody else. Mm -hmm. and so he was cool and and one of my earliest memories also is the fact that my mother lied to me and so you know back in those days in in middle school you meet all in the cafeteria and then you're kind of dispersed Mm -hmm. so my mother one time had the uh, obligation to tell me that where babies come from Mm -hmm. yeah so what do you think a mother of the 80s tells her young son who wants to know where babies come from? She goes, baby, babies come from the thigh. What? And so I went into middle school thinking babies came from your thigh. Oh. Yeah. So there was, a, there was a kid in seventh grade named Oconee. And I'll never forget his name because I, he was one of the cool kids. So Oconee mm-hmm. is like taking me around. In, in, in the morning time, around table to table, Joe, you got to tell people where babies come from. And I'm like, oh, of course, babies come from the thigh. Absolutely. No, no doubt about it. And I felt like the smartest kid for like 2.5 seconds.
1: Oh, my gosh. That was bad.
0: It was bad. because we were not they, prepared for mm-mm.
1: that type of experience. No. No, you but, weren't.
0: But that was my seventh grade experience. It was being oh taken around and ostracized. Because... Well,
1: so here's the thing, love. Go ahead. You were a late bloomer for sure.
0: Absolutely.
1: As you can remember, there were people getting pregnant in the seventh grade.
0: Absolutely. where
1: babies came from. They knew it wasn't the size. Thighs. thighs were involved, but <laughs> that wasn't the whole experience.
0: I'm, I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. so so the, the context there is is crazy and mm-hmm, is. and you know i always this is what i preface to uh people that i deal with now like google won't lie to you mm-hmm. you can ask google whatever it's going to tell you the fucking truth right
1: mm-hmm. eh, it'll give you a reasonable facsimile most stuff you have to do at least some research on it a little more than google
0: I, I, I can tell you if you tell if you ask Google straight out where babies come from, it's not gonna tell you the thigh.
1: That's Man. hilarious. <laughs> well,
0: it's probably gonna give you examples and porn and pictures. all kinds of yeah.
1: Well, and that's why I told you thighs were involved, so you weren't completely wrong.
0: That's true. That's true. <laughs> Thank, thanks for making me feel better. Yeah,
1: I'm glad that's I cool. Glad. Yeah.
0: And so so as we move through middle school here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm-hmm. What high school did you go to?
1: I went to Suitland.
0: See? And that's what fucks me up. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm fucked up off that. Why? Did you move?
1: No, I auditioned to get in.
0: So you went to Suitland off an audition?
1: For TAG, for for talented and Gifted. Mm. I was a member of the VPA. It was the Visual and Performing Arts um, unit there because Suitland was... Performing arts, fine arts, both technical and uh, university, high school, school. It had all these different things. And so, um, you know, I auditioned. I had been in choir or been singing uh, my entire life. I had an audition and they let me in. And so part of that is that you get them on the bus at. That crack of dawn was still dark outside, and you would take you know a bus for forty five minutes or whatever with all them stops to Suitland and so by the time you got to Suitland, it would be light outside, <laughs> but it would be dark when you got on the bus so yes
0: okay all right and so and so for for the overall context we both we lived in the same neighborhood we both lived in Lake Arbor, right mm-hmm. but you went above and beyond and went to Suitland. And I went to Largo High School for mm-hmm. my ninth grade year. Mm-hmm. Um so so I kind of lost contact with you
1: mm-hmm.
0: in that space. Like we didn't keep up with each other. Uh the girl I had a crush on in elementary school and and then middle school when when she was part of the untouchables, uh went to Suitland, right? So mm-hmm. my whole memory of you is actually prepubescent if i can if i can say that like wow yeah yeah it's it's not coming it's not a man coming of age there's Mm -hmm. no all the memories i have of you are uh prior to my puberty so 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 then i we can fast forward this machine because Mm -hmm. You didn't know of me. I didn't know of you. We, we graduated high school. Um, and we meet again when we are 20-somethings. Yes. 20 somethings.
1: Yes. And I'll
0: say 23, 24. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard for me to place it. You know, in that 2003 to 2005 space is where I connect with you again. And because I connect true. with you again At because of your brother. Right so uh i tell km that i need a singer mm-hmm. on a project i'm doing for myself mm-hmm. and there is yes. so uh i want to know what you were doing before that like right before that space you had a situation with a Can you talk about that? At
1: all? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting, interesting. That was. Whew. I don't know if it's like a Leo characteristic to like take the things that you don't love and just sort of file it away into the circular file. But I was signed to a label with a group called Amazon which is hilarious because now we know we think about Amazon. That's great. And yeah we were signed to a label called Soul 7 Productions and they were a local label at home in DC. Um, prior to being signed I had been in that group for maybe a year and a half maybe two years i so in 2003 i'm 22 years old and i think i remember starting that process with them at like nine i was 19. i was still in college and i was 19 when i started working with that group and um stopped right around the time that we reconnected And I swear, I have so many situations like this in my life where I get involved in a project and I'm working, 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 working. That's the one thing no one can tell you that I'm not a hard worker. I'm easily one of the hardest working people you'll ever meet, like hours in the studio, whatever. And, you know, it wasn't anything wrong with the girls as much as it is just the kind of thing that you're in when you're in a girl group. There are all kinds of different personalities um people have different agendas Mm -hmm. i remember one of the members was 27 and that felt so fucking old to me and all she did was complain about how we needed to make it so that she could have her babies (laughs) and i remember the other member and i would just one of the other members and i would just look at each other like gross (laughs)
0: like
1: seriously no pressure though no pressure just like we need to hurry up. I mean th- those will be actual conversations. We need to hurry up and make it because if we make when we make it you know, so I can have my babies we can like <laughs> So but yes, um the that whole situation ended when um our manager at the time was dating one of the members. Mm-hmm. Which happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, dating one of the members, and so slowly, all of the things that she wanted to do was the priority. And then he disappeared for like six weeks. And so, we're going to weekly, twice a week rehearsals, voice lessons we have this ridiculous schedule that we're trying to keep up and oh by the way I was in college at the same time and this wow. guy just drops all the fucking face of the earth right
0: okay uh, hold, hold I just want to uh-huh. give give more context to what First. you're in college for what are you what's your focus in college
1: oh I went to school for theater okay all right for theater yeah So. I'm in school, and trying to do this label thing, and trying to do music, and trying to do all of this other stuff. And he, like I said, drops off the face of the earth, and then reappears, and he's been in, I don't know if it was jail or prison, but things slowly dissolved after that. Okay. And so, at that point, I was like, well, I want to try and see if I can make my own music. I also want to try and see if I can make music with other people. Right, that works out. Um, My brother recommended you uh, recommended me to you. Um, I have been singing his, you know, uh, hooks and writing hooks and writing music for him since I was 15 and he was 12. (laughs) Oh my gosh! And the music that he came up with at 12. I'll never forget, (laughs) there was one song that he had me and um, my best, best friend Uh come to the house and sing the hook on, and of course, you know, he's a kid, so he's writing songs about kid shit, and this song was called, Everybody Dies.
0: (laughs) What? Everybody
1: Dies, and it was like, everybody dies. (laughs) (laughs) That's the part of our lives, and I remember being my homegirl trying to come up with a harmony for that. Right. The, uh, the, uh, my twelve-year-old genius brother and I and I say right. that I'm not being um, I am not being sarcastic when I say that he's a genius because he has done a lot of things musically. Right. That for someone. Um, with the resources that we had like we we're just creative we were just really creative kids
0: and i agree our, i agree
1: yeah our parents encouraged us to be creative so we were going to make all of the things so Go so
0: here i here's here's where the story gets uh kind of kind of muddy for me because right. i don't know at what point we're talking about you being signed to a label
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then there was a studio robbery.
1: Oh, oh shit! So, so, robbery. so
0: I want to be careful because I don't know how far you want to go into that. But I remember the studio was getting robbed. Uh, your brother kind of wound up with some equipment. Um, oh, I
1: don't crumbled. know anything. I don't know anything about that. Right. I what I know is this. This is okay, the story. Go ahead. I was teaching voice lessons. Okay, at the studio, and um, I was there. Are,
0: are you still signed at this no. time? okay, no, okay. I'm
1: not. I don't That's think. I cool. do you remember. That was like what, fifteen years ago? Sixteen years ago? Yeah, maybe at 20, least
0: at least sixteen years. Ago. Maybe right.
1: twenty years. Mm-hmm. I don't nice. know if I'm signed or not. But I'm teaching voice lessons in the studio, mm-hmm. and then you know I wrap it up. Okay. And I leave. 5 minutes later, the studio gets robbed and they make everybody strip. What? I don't know. I'm in so, my car home.
0: <laughs> wait, wait. So so you weren't even part of the robbery. You didn't Mm-mm. Wow.
1: Mm-mm. Okay. Mm-mm. Nope. Okay. Okay. Yep. I,
0: I thought you had experienced it and it was like a traumatic event and we were going to unpack what that meant for the rest of your life, you know.
1: It was traumatic in the sense that I found out that it was a near miss.
0: Right. So, so what year are we talking about? If you could give it a year.
1: God, I don't know. Well, let me see. I wasn't dating my husband at that time. So it had to be before Mm -hmm. six and I had graduated from college, maybe. So that's Oh three. So it was in the span of those three years that it happened.
0: Okay. All right. Mm -hmm so so and here's where we get uncomfortable in in the whole podcast right Mm -hmm. because you dated your husband in the 2006 space right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you came to my apartment probably in that 2004 2005 space right Uh, and in that 2004 2005 space I was I was working on a record uh, that I entitled "Poet and the Warrior." Right, mm-hmm. I I had this big idea for "Poet and the Warrior," and it was the first season of uh, American Idol, <laughs> <laughs> which is dating us even more. That's uh, the, f- the yeah. first season of American Idol.
1: Two elder millennials discuss better
0: times. But e- yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes,
1: Don't do okay. that.
0: Don't okay. do that. go for it. So so, so I'm, I remember being there for the first couple episodes of American Idol and I remember this song that was very near and dear to my heart uh, that you renamed because you were like, this, this needs a hook like, you know, Quiz had done this beat, it was phenomenal and you know, I'm going on about whatever Another I would hit, go yeah. on about, but it was basically uh, Find Yourself was the, was the hook you gave me. Yeah, yeah, I I remember that song. Oh
1: uh, my god! And
0: and what I do during these podcasts is, you know, I'm gonna play this uh, song. Shit. But, but find yourself was was the first track that you ever uh, were on in, in in as far as Danger Room is concerned. So.
1: Please make sure you send me copies of everything you
0: had on. <laughs> of course, of course, I love of to have course. copies
1: of all of that stuff. But go ahead.
0: Uh, and and you know, and I remember you took the whole thing over. Like, I I'm watching American Idol, and you're doing this whole routine. You're like, you sang every single part yourself, right? Of course, you're doing your own harmonies. And at the time, I don't you know I don't know where you've been. I don't know where you go. And I didn't know you were a trained singer. You know, in a sense, basically, you did everything, every voice.
1: And I'm a musician. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Of course.
0: So to me, uh, to have no input was, was crazy. Like I didn't have any input in that, Mm. in that hook. You did everything. You wrote the bars, the hook, you know, Mm -hmm. the whole thing did the harmonies. Mm -hmm. All I did was press three, (laughs) (laughs) you know, all I did was press play, and, yeah. and it was magic. Like to this day, to this day, if I play that track, they're like, "God, she finished that fucking song." Yeah. And and as a bonus, because I will add, uh, and and look, I'm willing to take this out, but as a bonus, like you, that's you didn't owe me anything. <laughs> Stopped our engagement there, uh, but like I said, if I'm being honest, and and this is what the podcast is about, being completely, I liked you. You know, I always liked you. I liked you uh, in elementary school. I liked you in middle school, and I liked you as a twenty year old. You know, and so I tried to find reasons to keep you engaged. So I threw.
1: I had no idea right. about that. Right.
0: So, yeah. so I tried to find reasons to keep you engaged, right? Mm-hmm. I couldn't. I couldn't just let you go doing that one song. Mm-hmm. So I kicked off a singer that had done another track.
1: Hilarious.
0: This is this is the honesty of the of the cast, right? Okay, so okay. I kicked off another singer just to keep you around at the time. Like, I didn't have any other plan. Because you were just like Okay, yeah, I kind of did my work And, you know, my brother put me over here And here I am Hey, Joe uh, PG Reunion I'm out You know, you didn't give it a second thought um, but, I, but I brought you around again And you destroyed this hook uh, For a second song On the same album You know, again, I put you on the album Because, I mean, you did fantastic things With uh, Find Yourself uh, and it was I'm so lucky. It was a song called I'm so lucky, right? I don't remember that. Oh, if Ooh, I yes, I, I
1: do. Yes, I do. Because I'm so lucky was the turn. That was the I'm so lucky was the punchline. Right, remember right, that. right.
0: I just kept saying I'm so lucky, and then the singer would take over. And I'm not going to name the singer because. You know they're not part of my podcast normally i i i say names mm-hmm. and give people a t- you know the the b- benefit of retorting and going back and forth but this person i can't you know i can't contact anymore so i'm not going to give her name okay. but i am going to say basically it was a lackluster it was lackluster right
1: oh, and
0: yeah. uh i tossed it to you and you completely revamped it and to this day like mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as you redid it I remember uh, my cousin I I don't know You remember Bernard uh, oh, I, I don't do know Remember
1: Bernard? Okay, yeah
0: Bernard went and played it for my entire Jersey family Like oh, my gosh. religious Jersey family And they freaking loved it They were like Turned a
1: corner yeah. there
0: Yeah, yeah <laughs> uh, It was it, it was a breakthrough with people that were in their 50s at the time, right? Mm-hmm. They, you know, early 50s, late 50s, whatever. We're, we're, we're in our 20s and, you know, devoutly religious and they love that track after I got off the person that I got off, right? And they never paid attention to my music before. But because you had revamped that thing and it had a whole nother vibe, loved it. It was great. First First positive feedback I got from being a rapper quotation marks right
1: yeah i forgot you rapped on that yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny how we all fall into our roles everybody's mm. doing their thing you know what i mean
0: mm, i do know i do yeah know. yeah, yeah it, it. and so and so you know i i did that to keep you around i did like you uh there was some immaturity there
1: mm. you know?
0: Oh, hmm. No, mm-hmm. you, No.
1: Mm-hmm. You, no. Go you're ahead. Just,
0: you're just gonna say mm, you're not gonna add anything. No. no.
1: Oh. So I, you know, I'm gonna be real with you.
0: Okay, go ahead.
1: You telling me this story reminds me so much of uh scissors song love galore because it's just like why you bother me when you you know why did you bother me (laughs) why did you bother me and and draw me out and have me there and have me working if you were just gonna do me the way that you did me which is kind of be coy kind of play around we dated a little bit um, you know, hang out and it was fun. And so I get, you liked me. And so that wasn't originally my, it's not that I didn't like you. I didn't know you. And I'm a person who who needs to warm up to people. And so I'm very, very, uh, sort of particular about who I hang out with. And then my brother is super protective of me. So he would never put me in a situation where he thought I would get hurt or anything like that. And so you were, I had no idea that you had me around because you liked me. I had no idea, but I know that we worked on a lot of different things. And so I was thinking, well, you know, I'm a decent singer. I'm a good writer, you know, let's do this. But like you were in and you were out and you were in and you were out and you were engaged and then you weren't and you were engaged and then you weren't. And after a while, I just said, fuck it and fuck you and stopped talking to you for like two years
0: Do you remember that? I so I remember that. So you know, (laughs) fast forward like you know, we we worked on uh, "Poet and the Warrior," Mm -hmm. and and it's two thousand six, and I'm in a new situation, Mm -hmm. and I want you back, cause I need you on a project, Mm -hmm. and it's in Baltimore. It's Mm -hmm. it's in a well, I guess you could call that Glen Burnie. It's not Baltimore, but you do you do remember coming up to Good guy Studios. Uh, with with your 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 new beau like Ben was there in 2006
1: yes yes
0: I remember that and and what did I do again I did the same thing I did in elementary school I aggravated the girl that I liked right so I kind of I remember a session you being on and me saying something out the way and you kind of leaving the studio and you're talking to Ben. I remember that. I, I remember like Ben was kind of like calming you down because I said some things to get under you. I don't know what I was, I don't, I really don't remember.
1: I don't remember what you said, but I know right. you pissed me off. And I, with I do that remember pissing you off. Kind of work, it was just hard because at that point, I'm not just a singer, I'm not just a writer, I'm actively arranging product projects for you and I'm arranging for other people. And vocal producing. So that means that if we have a singer or somebody then I'm sitting down and trying to make sure that all the notes are right and all that other shit. And it would, we would be in there sometimes like eight hours.
0: Right, right. That
1: would be a long time for you to be a dickhead. <laughs> it's a long
0: time. OK, all right. Well, I had a penis for a head we are moving on so we move on from from uh good guy studios we move on from that and you and ben get a lot more serious right Mm -hmm. And now we're talking about 2009 Mm -hmm. and i want to move forward on the christine west and and for those that don't know anything about christine west you can know that she was sister-in-law to delante the basketball player Mm mm-hmm and, and, I'll, and I'll blurt these names out if you're uncomfortable talking about this space because of the uh, 2020 that we're in. Like I said, there's a lot of things that have transpired. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can go either side of this argument. But Christine West was just the, was the sister-in-law and she wanted to be a singer. And, mm-hmm. and you were that introduction to me. Because mm-hmm. she confided a lot in you, and she mm-hmm. trusted a lot in you, and she even took one of you, one of your great songs, um, mm-hmm. which I still have, that you right. sung. Uh, right. You know, first, right. shine, shine was a song that you reconnected with me. And who made that beat? Was that was that Crank Lucas there? Is that uh, oh Crank goodness. Lucas beat? Shine,
1: shine, shine,
0: shine. You know what I'm talking about. I've seen
1: so many songs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's hard I, right? For me to know
0: So So Shine Was a song uh, That you had done And You I guess you were me- I, I'm not sure what to call it I don't know Mentoring I know you showed up A couple of times While she was singing songs uh,
1: well, I was vocal producing. Vocal That's produce. vocal producing. Okay. And, All right. You know, for a lot of people, um, singers, they have an idea. And this was another introduction that my brother had made. But they have an idea about what they want to do with the track. And so basically, you as a professional sit down and go with, you know, go over it with them and help them bring their, you know, a uh, vision for the project to fruition and I liked working with her. I felt like she's a great uh, student, a good singer, um, you know, she's a very unique voice. It's got a different timbre to it. It's kind of raspy. It gives me sometimes like Etta James and Billie Holiday vibes and I felt like she had a lot of potential and I liked her concepts for songs. So when my brother brought and I, and I wanted to have that work under my belt. So when my brother brought her to the table and introduced us, and let me hear what she had been working on, I was thrilled with okay introduction. Well, well,
0: mm-hmm. I, I I just wanna I wanna see I want to give everybody else.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I wanna go back and and I wanna ask you why how is it that your brother comes on Christine West? What 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 is going on with him at the time?
1: Oh, uh, Kyle's really good friends with that. and you know, my brother is really good friends with Delonte.
0: Okay, so so so, he, he's so KM was was too. friends with Delonte West, mm-hmm. and then of course Delonte West had a brother, mm-hmm. and he, his brother got married, and Christine West was 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 his brother's wife, right? Right, right. right. So then that would make the introduction to you, right? Okay. Just want to just I just wanted to give clarity. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Draw the okay. trajectory. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Um. So so that translates to you guys coming to a what I call the uh, the the porno apartment uh, in, in Laurel. The
1: porno apartment.
0: Yeah, people dubbed it the porno apartment because uh. So we moved in 2009. So I was 28 years old. Mm-hmm. And at 28, yes. having lived with the same young man in the kid, Sean mm-hmm. um, for so long, we I felt like we felt like we were moving up like the Jeffersons, you know? Mm-hmm. like we just felt like at that point we were living different than other humans, so we would get no. an apartment that spoke to that living different, you know, coming from
1: <laughs> apartment. It was what? it was a nice apartment definitely
0: right right so you're talking about the 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 high high ceilings and 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 we had a loft we had a loft in that apartment and so that's where i put the studio in the loft up the Mm -hmm. stairs um and my wife to this day refers to it as the porno apartment because it had that cascading staircase up to uh, you know just mm-hmm. you just don't see that in the apartments now. We're at a, whatever, mm-hmm. um, and and it was a luxury apartment. Um, mm-hmm. So so I want to go up there and then I want to talk about like your role in Christine West. Go for it. Uh, because I I've never seen that kind of money before. You know, to me, her husband came in and he just paid me. He paid mm-hmm. me, a, you know. And it was a collaborative effort. You brought that into my studio. And he he was okay with footing the bill. Mm-hmm. And at the time, it was good. His brother was getting NBA money. And and I'm not... And you know what? Let me preface that. Because I'm not sure that he was getting that money from his brother. But...
1: Well, they own the I, businesses.
0: Yeah. I, mm-hmm. You know, his his brother always lamented to me, like, I used to be a target team lead, you know? So... Mm-hmm. He, he he was a worker for a living. I'm not I'm not saying he was getting money from, from his brother, but I just never seen money given so freely to me uh, for recording sessions. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: it was new. It was a new space for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then and then Christine had her own kind of engine. Like right. she had her own idea of how she wanted to be viewed as an artist, and her husband was in support of that vision. So. Right. We were in like, uh, from what I, for lack of a better word, we were in like a media day where they rent out like a mansion
1: mm-hmm.
0: and she's, you know, debuting music that she wrote mm-hmm. and you helped, you know, and it was, it was just a big, big time period. So from your perspective, like what was that about and what was your relationship with Christine like?
1: like I said I loved working with her and I liked her creativity I thought she had really great concepts for her songs and she knew she was very uh, driven and you know knew what she wanted and as a person now who what I did with her is what I do for a living half the time out here it's nice to work with people who are coachable and it's nice to work with people who have a fully formed and actualized identity and they know what they want to do. And so that was always pleasant. I think the hard part for any person who's working with a singer is those grueling hours in the studio when you're trying to get the right take. Mm. Oh, you know me, I'm a taskmaster. I'll I make you it 50 times <laughs> <laughs> to get the right take and she would do it I know she would get sick of my ass she would do it and I would be like I feel like you have another I feel like you have a better one in there <laughs> wow and 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 that's that's how I roll I was a perfectionist and even now when I listen to that music because I came across that CD with all of it on there when I listen to her voice and I listen to her harmonies and just the whole thing that she put together, I really feel like that project could have done something if it was given, you know. I don't know. I don't know yeah. what kept it from doing what it needed to do. But I would yeah. tell you, it's hard to do that stuff mm-hmm. in Maryland.
0: And and it is hard to do that stuff in this in the time period. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I feel like the benefit of 2020 is uh i'm i'm able to give uh a kind of overall thesis and my overall thesis is that this space where you can record some tiktok mm-hmm. song and post it and it go viral is way po- way more powerful than it's than our way yeah. yeah it's it's crazy You know, we used to have to shop it and, you know, depend on an A&R to bump us to the label.
1: You know what I would tell you, and this is part of the problem, I think, with the music industry across the board, is that folks haven't, we have evolved the way that people consume music, the way that people pay for it, the way that they do all of those things has evolved but the sort of institutional structure of labels and how they interact with each other and how they interact with artists and talent and all of that stuff is behind. And to the point where there are lots of ARs, um, producers, people who work um, with these labels. And I don't know, I think now, well, this is what I would say. I feel like there's less, well, so social media gives you access, it gives the world access to artists in a way that the gatekeeper of gatekeepers of labels uh, could never do. And so what I mean by that is, with TikTok, with even you think about like Soldier Boy on Facebook and stuff like that, you go from having to use the label as an intermediary to having direct access to your audience and the world is full of all kinds of different people so there's a pot there's a top for every pot so no matter what it is that you're doing like whacking wild and weird there's somebody who's interested in that in your music and in your story and so you you know really i don't know why anyone would be bothered with working with labels in that regard, in a traditional sense, because you can get the same amount done if you have a budget right? and, um, and a publisher, mm. you know, and that's the way that people are doing it now right. because they don't want to spend that coin to develop artists.
0: <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not.
1: Mhm.
0: i wholeheartedly agree
1: and so now they're looking for people who are fully developed and 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 are already fully developed and formed and that's why things like tiktok are so powerful because if something goes viral then there's a built-in audience and by and large um you know labels are looking to sell something they're looking for their product they're looking they're looking to sell their product and the artist is the product and so if you've gone viral, in a sense, you've already sold yourself. So they don't have mm-hmm. to do work. It's almost like a bank, frankly. You know, with a budget and the resources that you have now, you could do all of the things that artists were doing in the 90s and early 2000s mm-hmm. uh, with a fraction of what people were working with um, and just access because you know through the magic of social media we're all closer to each other than we've ever been absolutely <laughs> and,
0: and so in that social media vein
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: that's where i pick up some of my admiration for you mm. um now in a, in a social media vein i find myself because i work for a a large co- corporation right mm-hmm. I encounter a large number of young people in my mm-hmm. employ, mm-hmm. So I will say about that large number of people, they are all insecure. Mm. And yes, you, I'm not going to take away, I'm never going to take away from your story mm-hmm. a, and say that, you know, you can't be insecure. Mm-hmm. What I can say is that I never felt from you, that sense of insecurity in any situation you were thrust in Mm -hmm. you were going to be unapologetically you every single time and Mm -hmm. tell me exactly the demon that i was you know (laughs) in in any case you know so that if if that is a 2004 space which Mm -hmm. it happened Mm -hmm. if that is a 2006 case Mm -hmm. and it happened And if that is a 2013 space, you know, when you're coming to sing America the Beautiful, uh, and you have to tell me that I'm the devil, that's fine too. Um, But Mm. you never, ever, to me, showed that insecurity that everybody feels in a 2020 space. Because I deal with so much insecurity on my everyday. i'm able to see that i'm able to see the good and the bad of social media so mm-hmm. while we just named how great social media is and it's able to connect us all and mm-hmm. and cut out the a and r and the shopping it around it also creates a great divide in the amount of people in the amount of artists you know as pure mm-hmm. as you are you know in that art form
1: mm-hmm.
0: They can't function because of other people's opinion. And I'm big on that. Like 2020, I'm big on the psychology of what we place on ourselves Mm -hmm. because of other people's opinions.
1: Mm. So So, go ahead about that. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I didn't have a choice. You know, I was who I was. And it wasn't changing, and, you know, if you liked it, then great, and we could hang out, and if you didn't, then that's fine too. I mean, I think what, it's not that I wasn't insecure, because I feel like every person has insecurities, but at the same time, at a very early age, I knew myself, and sort of figured out... Kind of the basis of my personality, of course, now, as you know you you grow and you learn and you do different things, but during that time, I had a very firm grasp on who I was and what I wanted out of life and and even more th- even more what i didn 't want and so you know it was one of those situations where in my reactions to the way you treated me because that's the thing you know we start this story and we go through it and there is a constant the constant in the story is that you were aggravating as fuck <laughs> <laughs> all the time
0: right right you no know, you're that's aggravating
1: cool. as fuck and so for me not that but i liked working with you And so I continued to work with you, but you were gonna know how I felt about the things that I did, that you did. And frankly, you had to take it or leave it, you know, because also I just wasn't in a place or space to allow people to treat me any kind of way. And I'm still not there, you know? I, this sounds like arrogance and I know that's like a Leo thing, but I want everyone to feel like you know you know you, you know who you are, you know what you want, and if you're in situations where shit isn't you know you can't vibe, then you know you you have to demand that balance you have to demand that respect for yourself because nobody else is going to do it
0: i'm so, i'm so- gl- I'm so glad you mentioned the air of arrogance or if, if it mm-hmm. came off like that because we have a whole nother podcast mm-hmm. because we've reached that limit in our podcast we can't unpack this right mm-hmm. but i want to talk about uh do you remember the space where you wrote with nikki and and uh poison ivy yes yeah so in that space i don't know if you remember this but i remember it intently and I want you to talk about it, all three of y'all, I want y'all on a podcast because I'll never forget, you told Nikki C not to eat a cheeseburger because you knew that that dairy would affect her vocal cords. Mm -hmm. She had never heard anybody try to coach her on what not to eat before Mm -hmm. singing, right? So it made you sound arrogant and it made you sound, you know, all kinds of things to a 20 something at the time Mm -hmm. in this space. She's not only not eating dairy, Mm -hmm. she's going without carbs, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. So what made sense to her now doesn't make sense to her in that 20 space. And it battles against what they think of you. Mm -hmm. Again, you do come off arrogant, Mm -hmm. as, as Crank Lucas came off Arrogant. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a space I want to unpack because we didn't, we didn't get to all that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I skipped through a lot of stuff and I skipped mm-hmm. over that on purpose because I want to talk about the weirdo that paid you guys even for a song together and he made horrible beats. <gasps> uh, yeah. I forget him. but he, he, comla- he claimed to be part of So So Deaf and it was yeah. weird.
1: I know yeah. who he is you and know what I, i'm talking I, about yeah i know exactly who you're talking about because so, he's still around
0: oh is he still around oh,
1: yes. oh, i work in the industry yeah but what i've only seen him like peripherally peripherally oh, I, okay. I have not seen he's not here okay you know most people who are involved are here mm-hmm. in, some, in some um facet mm-hmm. But uh I um you know mm. I don't feel away about it. Okay. And part of the reason why I don't is because experience. So like I have gone on, we live out here and you do what we're doing. Gosh, you get to a point where the only thing that excites you, and I tell people this all the time, the only thing that excites me is a check. So until okay. you you got a check. I'm not excited. And lots of people are trying to sell you on a dream out here. And with that, you live and you learn. You have a conversation and figure it out. You get to a point where you can sort of see who's on that bullshit and who isn't. And, you know, all of the experiences that I had working with people who maybe it didn't amount to anything or, uh, working with people who said they had something line up and maybe it fell through. Like, I don't, I don't, uh, regret any of that because it prepared me to come out here and kill it. And so, and just in other ways too. So it's not, it's not a, um, it's not something that I. It's not something that I regret because we also made a lot of really good songs during that Oh time. yeah, hell and, yeah. And when I came here, I had those songs.
0: Mm.
1: You know, okay. I had those songs. I had examples of my arranging. I had examples of, of harmony and examples of things that I had done, um, working with other people. Now, what I would tell you is commercial writing is so different than the writing that we did together. Right. So different. Um, and of course, that's something that you experience by doing it. But I remember coming here and doing this apprenticeship. I was the, I was apprentice for a guy named Carlos Beatty. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a, he is a Grammy award winning song singer and songwriter. Um, fantastic human being. And he taught me how to write commercial songs. I thought I was doing it out there. Here's a tape. I wasn't. <laughs> it was close, but I wasn't, because one of the things that you find out when you're doing this is those songs that you like on the radio are written in an hour and a half, two hours. Max. And I mean from the Ruta to the Tuta," from, "Hey guys, I have a track to laying down the last bit of it." and doing a quick mix and master, the whole process takes about two to three hours. And that's with like wow, 10 writers in the room or five writers or six writers in the room, you know? So it was interesting because when I came here, I was really nervous mm. about having to do these commercial writing. I see. Uh, these commercial writing or or, or writing camps or working Mm -hmm. with other writers in general because everybody wants to feel like they belong and everybody wants to feel like they know what they're doing, particularly when they're in a room full of professionals. And so for me, um, I just remember that being very, very precarious because the first thing they do is have you sing. The first thing they do is have you do something called a pass. And so what I had originally done was you gave me a track, I would sit down, write out the the thing, and then put the whole thing together. You don't get that time. Time is money. So they put the track on, you get in the booth, and sing what you can make up on the fly. They take everything that people have sung and made up, they comp it together, you come up with lyrics, you lay that shit down, the song is done. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's, it's very different. But like I said, I don't, re- I don't regret it. Okay. Yeah, because I felt like we made a lot of good work.
0: Okay. And, and so that's the reason why this podcast exists. It's just mm-hmm. to, you know, kind of give that history and that uh, mm-hmm. brief overall of things that happened in slow motion, in fast motion. Mm-hmm. Because we skipped over an entire part, even where you're like backing a, a what I think was a Korean pop group. I don't know. K-pop. I
1: managed. I managed them. Yeah. I managed that. I managed a K-pop group. Okay. Oh, that was fun. Um, and, and, and so, style. and that's
0: what I'm talking about. Like, you know, uh, unfortunately, the people's mindset is. Predicated to a time period Like like there's only so long I can go yeah. So I want to Invite you back Sure. talk about these things And I want to get a little messy If if I'm being honest I'm going to get a little messy
1: Why? Messy how?
0: So people think I'm messy because I invite Other people on to give their perspective About time periods they shared with you mm-hmm. So So it gets deeper than just Me and you like okay. we had a great back and forth like mm-hmm. i feel like you were agreeable and if you if you're not then you're you're free to text me and tell me what to take out but mm-hmm. i feel like for the most part you were yeah. comfortable the entire time
1: mhm
0: mhm uh unfortunately this mm-hmm. was completely from your perspective and mine mhm and so now people listening get to respond with their own perspective okay the same time period that they shared with you if that mm-hmm. makes sense right mm-hmm. because uh we we touched on a little bit of a lot of history right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i invite everybody to share their own perspective because it gives me an overall because right. i only, i'm only going to go at things from my perspective mm-hmm. if, if i'm being selfish uh, but What makes it interesting is How other people viewed it And one of my examples is You can do everything in a relationship Right yeah. you can say Hey I come home and I do that," And I you know Rattle off these things Yeah but what does your wife think mm-hmm. If she doesn't think you do that Then do you really do it hmm. Does it really happen in her head You know what does she think Mm-hmm. It, it just and, and it amazes me the responses like mm-hmm. people people just don't give that enough uh, they, they, they just don't look to it right mm-hmm. they only think about what goes on in their head and they do right. the most and they do this and they do that and it adds to the most and they are the greatest person ever mm-hmm. yeah but if it ain't received as the greatest gift ever you're not doing anything, right? Okay. If, if all all your uh, go hard and 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 uh, go at, it does nothing if the other person doesn't receive it as such. It's only as tough as the perspective is. So that's where my two favorite words during this podcast go: perspective mm-hmm. and context, because it matters mm-hmm. whose perspective you're looking at. Whose context are you, <laughs> you know, whose context are you paying attention to? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's where I wrap it. It's it's, it's past people's uh, attention spans. So Shashi, it's been yeah. amazing. It's been amazing, really. Um, and I hope you agree to do it again with another guest. Uh, okay, at it. Okay. All right. All right. Good night on the West Coast. Thank you, Shashi.
1: Good night. Bye-bye. Bye.